Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Before I introduce our guest, I would like to remind you that you are cordially invited to join us in the Sacred Living Lab every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern. You can register for one of these live personal experiences by going to bit.ly slash spirittalks1. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash S-P-I-R-I-T-T-A-L-K-S numeric one. And we look forward to seeing you join us in the Sacred Living Lab. And now to introduce our guest for today. Delane Shea is the author of And Then We Laughed, A Memoir of Hope and Healing. This is Delane's first book. She grew up in Trent, South Dakota with a population of 200 and counting cats and dogs. She now lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota with her husband, Owen. She is Grandma Didi to 19 grandkids and four great-grandchildren. Her two remaining sisters live in Mesa, Arizona. Delane is a graduate of Augustana College, now Augustana University, and has taken courses at the North American Baptist University, now the Sioux Falls Seminary, and also several courses in writing from international speaker and multiple book author Mark Matus, Midwifing Death from Michael Barbado, MD, and numerous self-growth courses. She is a certified spiritual director and a volunteer coordinator of addiction ministries at her home church. Welcome, Delane. Welcome, Delane. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you. So let's talk a little bit about your story. What, what brought you, what, what were the formative experiences early in your life that have now informed the rest of it? Yes. Well, the story that I keep going back to, the first story is me sitting in a dirt on a dirt road in front of our house it wasn't right on the road but it was close playing in the dirt and my sisters and uncle who was six years older than me crossed the dirt road to the grain elevator where my dad worked and for a long time that was my only memory that I was sitting in the dirt playing until one day in a therapy session I told the therapist, oh, my gosh, I'm seeing everything play out. And what played out was that my four-year-old brother, only brother, I was three, had crossed that dirt road with my sisters when he wasn't supposed to. And he got behind the large grain truck my father was driving. And uh, the truck lurched back and... Billy died instantly. And um, in my flashback or abreaction at the counselor's office, I heard the screaming. I saw the horrific look on my mother's face. And I ran after her saying, Mommy, Mommy, wait. And she grabbed me up. And the next thing was mom and dad were getting in a black car with Billy, my brother, and it zoomed off with dirt flying up, and I was screaming. My sister was, oldest sister, Jerry, was trying to hold me back, but I wanted my mama. I wanted mom. And then when they came home, there was no Billy. Yeah. And his funeral, the casket was in our home, as was tradition back then in 1953. And I wanted him to get out and play. But, you know, all these people were saying, oh, they're only boy, they're only boy. And so I thought it would have been much better if it was me. And I did not consciously know that at the age of three. But I found that out as years went on that I, I thought it was me. And so I really dealt with a lot of survivor's guilt and many, many times wished it had been me that died. And two weeks after that accident, my mother 
had to have emergency surgery for a tumor on her ovary. It was benign, thank goodness, but she was in the hospital for two weeks. And I don't know who took care of me, but I wasn't with my dad and sisters. And dad had just started this job at the grain elevator, and so they had no insurance. Oh, no. Yeah, so it was, um, it was very hard for my parents to be present to, to me, to my siblings, oh, but sure. yeah. to me at that age. And then we had some floods. We lived in this floodplain of our little town. And then we had a house fire in the middle of the night. And that uncle, six years older than me, that watched my brother die, was driving home from church one Sunday when he was 16. Actually, he was coming home from Sunday school to go get grandma and grandpa to go back to church. And on his way, a drunk driver hit Tommy's car. Tommy flew out and hit his head on the cement. And he did not survive. Holy he died the next it's, day. It's like the 10 plagues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's more. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Continue. Well, then my two older sisters moving along, my two older sisters graduated from high school. And I didn't realize till many years later of how depressed I was because of that. I was depressed ever since I was a little girl. I just didn't know it because I had all this unpent energy that I tried to do, you know, exciting things. And I would do dangerous things. And uh, because there was that adrenaline rush constantly going and it had to be filled somehow. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, my, one of my older sisters, the second one, and I went over to the grain elevator and they were building a new elevator and there was a rope. We had a couple friends with us. There was a rope that we could pull to pull ourselves way up to the top mm. on this platform. And, you know, now I'm just scared silly of heights. And I just can't imagine myself having done that. But um, that's one of the things, you know, dangerous things I did. But when I was a sophomore, my school closed. You know, it was a very small town. It closed. And we had to be bused to another town, Flandreau. So I went from a class of eight to a class of almost 80. Oh, and completely got lost. Yeah, I was a yeah. junior. I didn't get lost, but I walked around every day with a big smile on my face. You know, everything's just fine. Um, I want you to like me. And then I'd go home at night and cry my eyes out. Oh. And my mom was working. She took a job, a government job at the Indian school in Flandreau. And, you know, it really made a difference for my parents financially, but I needed my mom. Yeah. I needed my mom so bad. Um, but she thought she was doing the best. Um, anyway, so then in the middle I mean, of a... She probably didn't have a lot of choice in a lot of ways. Well, yeah. 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 That's a good point. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, in the middle of my junior year, I got a phone call from my mother. Asked, my dad had just started a job traveling the state of South Dakota selling for zip feed mills. Mm. And so my mom called and said, I need to know where your dad is because I was in charge of everything at home. Ah. And so I knew something was wrong. I was hypervigilant, of course. And I refused to tell her until she told me why. Yeah. And she said, your uncle hurt himself. Oh, my. And uh, I knew, you know, she told me the uncle's name. It was my dad's brother-in-law. But he had hung himself that mm -hmm. morning. And um, nobody had told my dad that my uncle had tried to kill himself other times because my dad had several nervous breakdowns. And his family was worried that it would trigger him. But instead, my dad was so sad because he said, I could have talked to him. I could mm -hmm. have told him that I felt the same way. 
Yeah, had I known, I might Had I known. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that day when was a turning point because I went out, my aunt lived on a farm and I got my mom's car and I drove out there. And I do not know how this happened because, you know, usually when somebody dies, all the relatives glom around. Yeah. For, for some reason, I had time alone with Aunt Hilda and we sat in these green wingback chairs and I had two years later buy a couple of green wingback chairs just for memory of that, you know, poignant moment. And I said, you know, I really believe that Uncle Nanke was sick and I believe that God has taken him to heaven and he has forgiven him. And I just uh, was this, my aunt said, how did you get to be so wise? Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel wise at all because I knew death and I knew depression. And it was after that, that I started drinking. I had dabbled in it before, but I started drinking harder yeah. after that happened. Yeah, it was a huge turning point. And gosh, then my senior year, I was cheerleader and up for homecoming queen because, you know, I was going around smiling still. Yeah, you had your smile, you your know? happy mask on. <laughs> yeah, even after all that happened, still smiling. And I, I, this is jumping ahead quite a ways, but this is about a smile. When I was in recovery in a meeting after a couple years, this friend of my husband's saw me at those meetings and he said to Owen, my gosh, Owen, your wife smiles all the time. And I wanted to throw up. I wanted to puke because I thought, well, I, I am not doing that anymore. I'm hurting. I don't need to paste on that smile for everybody anymore. So it was a good, it was a good thing that happened. But um, otherwise, I, I left uh, home after, three weeks after graduation to go to x-ray school. And the first day there, the supervisor took me to the morgue to x-ray an elderly woman they thought had been killed. Oh they my. thought she'd been strangled. And so while up there, Taking the x-ray, I had turned around to get something, and there was a, a moan, some mm. kind of sound, and I just jumped. And the supervisor thought that was hilarious, just hilarious. Oh. So when we got downstairs in front of all the other students and registered techs, he told them. He told them how funny it was and how I jumped, and I stood there and smiled you know, I knew from the right then I had to be tough. I had to show them I could take it. And that, that took me down even further. It just, uh, I encountered many horrendous accidents where there was an airplane crash where the person was uh, beheaded and corn stalks were coming out of the neck cavity and I had to x-ray that body because oh of the FAA regulations. And uh, the head was in a brown paper bag. Oh my. And uh, I, had, I had flashbacks about that for many years, many years. Yeah, but um, just trying to be tough, trying to be tough. And then I started to, my, my roommate who I just loved decided to leave and get married after nine months in the course. <clears throat> and I was all alone. And so I did what my mom had done for dad. I called a counselor and I got in to see, I don't know, I think it was a psychologist. But I started going to counseling and talking to my sister and her roommate about quitting and they kept telling me, oh, look at here. They made a list of all the costs, you know, if I got a, just a regular job. Mm -hmm. Until one day I was at my sister's and I just, um, 
I was just done. Yeah. I was so done. I was so burnt out. I was so depressed that she had made lunch for us and I couldn't decide whether to use salt or pepper. Um, I couldn't make a decision. And I laid on her bed and sobbed. And she called dad. Mom was working and she called dad. And he came down and I was admitted to a mental health unit at the hospital. And each day back then, it was pretty, um, I know it was much, people had it much worse than this, but it was primitive to me. We were taken outside for walks. Mm -hmm. And I still, as I go down that busy street, I still think of being taken for a walk like a dog. Oh, my goodness. And then to go to meals, uh, all of the x-ray technician students that I knew were all sitting there together having their meal, and I had to walk by them with my group. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And back then, you know, uh, we made jokes. Um, we had made jokes about the net board, the uh, don't want to go to the psych ward. And here my dad had already, you know. Yeah. been there when I was 10 years old and he had had uh, electric shock treatments and but I had to join in and joke with the rest of them but when I was there I swore I would do everything I could to never ever go back there again mm. and it's and, amazing what those kind of promises made to yourself that way can motivate yeah. in your life. We are already up on our first break. So I'd like you to hold that thought because there is a turning point coming that I know all the listeners out there are not going to want to miss. So hang with us through the break and we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Hey, beautiful soul, Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to tellzofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A dot com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's tellzofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Welcome back from the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I'm here talking with Elaine Shea. And before we went on break, she had 
painted a, a very grim picture of the stuff that had gone on in her childhood and in her young adult formative years, uh, leading right up to the moment that she ended up in a psych ward. So uh, pick that story up for us, Delane, and tell us how your life developed from there. After that, um, there was a young boy who died in a tractor accident when I was in the hospital. And I told my parents I wanted to be out of the hospital to go to that funeral. And I was adamant that I was going to go to that funeral. Well, the day of the funeral came and my dad came down to get me. And he took me to the drugstore to get some medication. But we sat outside. My dad had huge hands. And he reached over and he held my hand. And he said, it's going to be okay, honey. And I moved back home for a month and worked at that grain elevator for a month because I didn't know what to do. But one day dad was going out the door while I was at home having lunch and I'd said something and because uh, we had a pretty good humor. I said something and he said, oh, as he walked out the door, oh, you're crazy. And then he came rushing back in. No, no, I didn't. I didn't mean I didn't. And I said, dad, it's OK. I am crazy. It's funny. It's a funny crazy. <laughs> and uh I do want to back up and say my parents did the best they could to give us a joy in our childhood. We had a spring-fed pond in our town, and we got to go there almost every day, Monday through Friday, some weekends. And the day that my brother died, the town of Trent was planning for a great big Fourth of July celebration. He died on the 2nd. You'd think my parents would just want to get out of town every fourth after that. Yeah. But boy, they didn't. They invited friends and relatives to the house. Mom made sure we had a new outfit every fourth of July. I had no clue that that tragedy had happened at that time because they made it joyful. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine what they went through. And... Uh, I, my my three sisters and I played on a ball team, softball team. Mm. I was a hot shot pitcher. And um, so we had some outlets, some, some good things. And my parents loved, my mom especially, loved to get us laughing. Mm. And dad could join in too. So um, just want to make sure that part is known. So yeah. after the nervous breakdown, I quit x-ray school. Um, I just could not handle going back into that environment. It wasn't a healthy environment for me. And then I worked for a year as a receptionist at a clinic where my sisters worked. And then the doctors said, and then I worked an x-ray there. And the doctor said, hey, you are, you're doing, you should be paid more. Go back to school and we'll support you. Well, the support they gave me was I got to work at the clinic. I'd go to work at the school. X-ray school was on the job training. Mm -hmm. So I got to go to work at 7 in the morning. And then when I got off at 3.30, I got to go to the clinic and work until 6 at night. So that was – and they were kind to me when they saw me. It's, it's sort of supportive, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, back in yeah. the day, you didn't see a lot of that. That's right. That's right. Um, I had just a little moment of self-pity there. You know, that... <laughs> well, it does sort of suck when somebody looks at you and says, you have the privilege of working for 12 hours every day, right? <laughs> and don't we all have self-pity sneak in once in a while? Absolutely. Um, so I what sure was, do. what was kind of your watershed moment? What was the moment that things started to shift for you? Well, I 
in a bad way, it shifted when I was first married. I married a guy who drank like me, and we were pregnant, and I had had a lot of radiation because of my injured back, and the doctor suggested strongly that we have an abortion. And my husband and I, you know, I thought and told him, I said, there, it can't, the baby can't be right. I've been taking all these pain pills and Valium was the drug of the day. And so when the doctor said, you should have an abortion, all of a sudden my mind changed completely. I wanted that baby so bad. Mm. And my husband was adamant that we were not going through with it. And I started hating him at that moment. And he had to, had me cancel it, reschedule it a week later because we had to go out of town to have it done 400 miles. Anyway, we got divorced after five and a half years. I went, one turning point was I went back to college to get my degree and in health and hospital service administration. And then I met a guy at a divorce support group. We were, we had both gone through it at different times and we were back as facilitators. And I met this guy and the first time I thought he was so cocky. I just (laughs) didn't want to talk to him. Instead, uh, I went out with his friend a couple of times and who was 10 years older than me. And I thought, Oh gosh, that's, that's dull. Well, I ended up marrying that cocky guy, and he's 18 years older than me. <laughs> Not dull at all. Not dull at all. I, I was crazy about him. And um, so that was a big turning point. I did not want to drink like I had before. I was scared to death that I had no idea what alcoholism was. But I was scared to death that if I drank like that, this marriage would end also. Mm. And so I was very, very careful about how much I drank. You know, I'd make sure they just gave me like maybe a half an inch of alcohol with some pop. And, you know, I had no idea that that obsession was also a sign of alcoholism. Yeah, I was I was obsessing about it. And if people would have drinks, I'd say, my gosh, just drink the drink. Why are you leaving that in your glass? (laughs) (laughs) Down it. I know how to down it. (laughs) So So, did you manage to to identify and start to unravel some of that? How did that? Yes. As I was working, I was a nursing home administrator, and then I changed to manage two medical clinics. And one day he called me at work and said, hey, I'm going to go to an Al-Anon meeting tonight, and I'm wondering if you want to go with me. And I turned around in my desk, and tears started flowing down, and I thought, I cannot take care of one more person. Because I thought that my mom was, my mom was a periodic drinker, and um, I I just thought I had to take care of her, had to take care of a son-in-law, uh, you know, self-imposed I have to take care of. Yeah. And so we went to that meeting, and as we left, I said, oh, my gosh, they talked about an emotional breakdown, slip. I said, oh, oh, and I'm having an emotional slip. I was just sobbing. Yeah. I had no idea what an emotional slip was. But we got to the restaurant with this dear friend, and we're talking, and all of a sudden, I just felt the weight of the world off me. And I said, you guys, I think I'm an alcoholic. And they both just grinned ear to ear. Now, any other time, I would have been pretty ticked off. But I just said, how did you you guys knew? And Owen said, well, I, I went to, to Don and Judy about six months ago. I just didn't know what to do with you. You were so needy. And I was, and jealous. And um, Judy said, yeah, he he came to us, and we just said to, you know, leave you alone, hands off, until you come to your bottom, which is not always the best advice. 
It worked for us. It worked wonderful for us because I went to a meeting the next morning and I was absolutely thrilled. I was so excited. And the people there were like, uh, we don't usually get people come in who are this excited. Excited. <laughs> yeah, excited. They're usually not so stoked to be here on the first yeah, one. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I wanted everybody to just shut up so I could talk, which yeah. they, didn't, they didn't do. But uh, as you can see, I am quite a talker. <laughs> but um, so that was my realization. And the next morning, I woke up, we were, this uh, friend Judy was taking me to this meeting at 10 o'clock. I woke up at six o'clock and I had the sensation that I was being held in my heavenly father's arms and I was a little baby Mm. and I was being held so lovingly. And when I tell that story, anytime it's been, 30, over 34 years ago, when I tell that, it still gives me that sensation. I'm just all throughout, through my body. I'm just, uh, I don't know what the word would be, electrified or just so comforted. So, yeah, so, so precious. Yes, so protected. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Cherished. 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 Oh, cherished. I love that word. Thank you. Um, And I wish I could say everything went just hunky-dory after that. (laughs) It rarely uh, does. (laughs) Usually that opens the door to some pretty deep stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it did. And totally cow. But, you know, by the grace of God, I I, uh, met some people. Uh, one woman, especially my friend Evelyn, who I went first, she was a counselor and I started going to her for codependency treatment. And then I didn't see her for a long time and we became friends. And she would suggest things to me. And boy, I would, I would do them. She suggested one time that we go to a workshop, a seminar in Kentucky. I said, okay. And that morning that we were going, Owen was driving us to the airport and Evelyn got in the car and she said, oh, I was so hoping that you would, can- would have wanted to cancel. And I said, I was hoping you would cancel. But I thought, no way in the world am I canceling. <laughs> I'm not going to have you think of me as a quitter. <laughs> I love that insight. I, I had that insight about myself several years ago. And so now I use it uh, to my benefit. Yes. <laughs> there's something yes. I really want or need to do. I make an agreement with someone else to do it with me and then I won't back out. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that mm-hmm, that uh, knowing, knowing somebody else knows it, that has that has been a saving grace in my life to have people that I can tell just anything about my life and they can cry with me or we can end up laughing ourselves silly. But either and, way it's out there and is shared and yeah, no apologies. Yeah. yeah. The, the Holy spirit has light on it and it's not controlling me anymore. But I, I've done a lot of uh, soul searching, and I, I dug more into my parents' lives. I, I always wanted to know when I was growing up, but I found some reasons of why they, you know, what happened. My dad, when he was 17, uh, his oldest brother had a brain injury when he was little, and thought he had to go to war. And so one day when my dad and his mother were going to put the horses in the barn, the horses wouldn't go. And dad opened the door and there was his brother hanging. Mm. And so um, according to dad, he, he cut his brother down. And then of course, you know, with my brother and he had, you know, other tragedies, but tell you something and this is in my book do you have time for this one we, quick we've got nope. like 20 seconds it won't 
Cover that. Okay, <laughs> then we'll go to break and we'll cover it when we come back. How does that sound? All right. <laughs> so thank you for listening with us. We will be right back from the break. While we're on break, take a moment, uh, take a piece of paper and a pen and acknowledge some of the challenging places that you've had in your life. What have been some of the traumatic events? What have been the difficult events? And jot down maybe five or six of these because the pattern of that event can tell you a lot about what your mission and your message in this world is. And so hang with us and we'll be right back from the break. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827 and let me know. How has the show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That number, 520-261-6827. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's crucial in informing where I take the show next. Thank you, and go out and live soul first. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thank you for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I'm here with Delene Shea. And before we went on break, she had been telling about one of her father's tragedies from his youth, where he discovered his brother had hung himself in the barn and had to cut his brother down. Um, but there's always a gift that comes wrapped in the most difficult events of our lives. So do share, Delane, what, what did he discover out of that traumatic experience? Well, it was actually um, that traumatic experience, but it was more from the death of my brother, who he accidentally backed over. There was a man in our small town, a man and his wife, who had a young son, who was maybe 20, who was killed in a motorcycle accident. And the man was quite depressed. And I heard this story from his wife that one day or every day, the guy would go sit in their backyard in a lawn chair and just sit there. And she was so worried about him. She was doing the dishes one day and she looked up and she saw my dad's pickup go by and then it stopped and it backed up and it pulled in her driveway. And she was curious, so she just watched. And dad went back to the backyard where the man was sitting and he sat down beside him. And Florence told me, 
after that day, I don't know what was said, but after that day, I had my husband back. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that's that's part of the reason when we go through the difficult in difficulties in life, we collect these t-shirts, I call them t-shirts, but they're experiences that we can use as connection mm-hmm. from our, our heart to someone else's heart. And they're some of the most difficult things, but they're the most amazing gifts when you can make that connection from yeah. one heart to the other. That is so, so beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful memory of my dad. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what inspired you to write your book, to to put your memoir together. Well, for about 20 years, I was in a writer's group at my church. It was for women. And um, we would write stories, and then you'd bring enough copies for everybody to read. And I would read, I would write stories that um, I wrote about my brother's death. And then I'd write about something funny, like my sister throwing a glass of water on me at a not very good time. I was in bed. (laughs) (laughs) Wake up. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) uh, um, So as I wrote that, I just started feeling like, well, God gave me the title of the book before I knew I was going to write it. And it was, and then we laughed because after all those things, my family would still, we'd find things to laugh about. We would nurture each other with memories to laugh. And I started putting that book together um, partly because I gave testimony at my church and I had vowed to myself that I would not tell the story of my dad dying and my brother dying until my dad had died. Mm. And um, there was no way I would hurt him. And so one week after dad died, I was asked at church to give my testimony. What timing? And I really prayed about it. I wasn't sure if I should talk about Billy then or not. And I prayed and prayed, and when I, I had written everything out, but when I got up in the pulpit, I had three minutes, and I told about Dad accidentally backing over Billy. And it was televised, and I called my mother afterwards, and I said, Mom, what did you think? And she said, I'm so glad you told it. I told my parents' story. My mom had uh, been moved to a nursing home where she didn't know anybody except my sister who was the RN there. And my mom had told me, you know, I'm afraid to tell people everything that's happened in my life because I'm afraid they'll think I'm just making it all up for attention. Mm. And I knew that. I understood that because I got that message from several people of you're just you're just needy and you just want attention. And all the time I needed, I did need to tell the whole story. And I needed to tell my dad's story because uh, his last nervous breakdown, he was in the hospital. And I went to the psychiatrist and said, do you know that my dad had to cut down his brother? No. Do you know? And I went through all these things. Do you know this? Do you know this? And the psychiatrist said, no. Your dad didn't tell me a thing, not one thing. Wow. And uh, then again, the psychiatrist said, you are such a wise young woman. And I said, no, I just want my dad to get well. And I knew from my work that you've got to get the stuff out in in a safe way with safe people. But you got to dig out the shit and get rid of it. You got to dig out the shit. And you know, um, dad came out of that. He came out of that and he still had problems. Of course, they don't just zip away. That's Mm -hmm. life, but he never had to be hospitalized again. And so I knew 
I just knew that my story would help other people who were struggling with similar things. Doesn't have to be the same, but because of meetings I had gone to where we share uh, bits of our sacred story, I knew that, you know, other people's stories help me. My story is going to help some people. And I've been real lucky as uh, blessed as an inspirational speaker to have people write to me, uh, email or snail mail or telephone calls saying, this really helped me. This touched me. I need to talk about this part. Yeah. And what an absolute gift I get to have to, to hear those things. And I'm also a certified spiritual director. And that gave me training also in order to hear people. Yeah. Because it took me to the depths of my own spiritual formation. And I've got lots of room to grow yet. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> don't, don't we all? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I know you brought a gift with you today for the listeners. What is that gift? I did. And just for your... <laughs> if you We're happen to be seeing yeah. the video, <laughs> you'll, you'll see her hold up the book. <laughs> oh, I have a book to give away. It's called, And Then We Laughed. It's a memoir of hope and healing. My grandson designed the book. And in the title, I did not expect this, but he put the word we in huge letters. And then it, it became my message of, you know, we all have struggles. We all have sorrows and grief. We all need to be connected and we all want to be loved. We all have a sacred story and we all like to laugh. And well, and laughter really does move the heavy stuff in life. Yeah, I've seen this over and over with my clients in session. We'll we'll get really deep down into the root of something, and it's profound. It's a fear of death or annihilation or something of that magnitude. And the thing that moves it is the laugh that happens yes. afterwards. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how do the listeners go about getting this beautiful gift? If they would uh, email me at Delane okay. Shea. We, we'll oh. we will have your email on the website. Okay. What so, did you mean? Okay. So um, just say that you, you would like them to email you or maybe what I hear. Yeah. The rewind. Instead of asking you that question, I will say that is such a beautiful and amazing gift. And if you would like to receive this gift from Delane, you can go to sovereignself.media and under the speaker gifts, just click on Delane's name, send her a quick email with the contact information that's there on the site, and she will make sure that that email gets out to you. Yes, so and I have... I have three books that I will give away. Wow. And I will, you know, contact me to buy them otherwise or else go to my website. Okay, lovely. So in the process of writing this book, I know as we go through and we sift through our past experiences, we find little nuggets of wisdom as we go along. And sometimes they're huge nuggets of wisdom as like the pieces click together. So what was the thing that you learned about yourself? I learned that I am, that I have a deep faith, that I am strong and have wisdom that come from my faith. Um, I have, I'm very resilient. I've been told by a number of people, boy, you get knocked down, but you get right back up and mm -hmm. go for something else. And just the courage and, um, well, someone told me at my launch party when I was doing readings, this friend came up to me afterwards and he said, you know, 
You know you're a comedian, don't you? <laughs> Previously unsus- unsuspected depths. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that affirmation was just really neat. Um, and, and I know how to... I know how to listen to people. Um, I don't always do it really great because sometimes I think I have such wise words to say, but um, I'm getting better all the time. I'm getting better. It's a dance, an ebb and a flow. Oh, I love the dance and flow. So we've got about 20 seconds here at the end of the show. If you were to be able to take a little time ship back, to your younger days, to your younger self, what would you tell yourself as a young girl? I would hug her and I would say, honey, it's okay. I'm here to help you. I will be with you and we'll find, we'll find people to help us. Mm. That's beautiful. And sometimes that's all we really need as a child is that hug and the reassurance that there's a way through this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Delaine. I really enjoyed your, your journey and your insights. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're a neat person to talk with and to laugh with. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you to all the listeners who've joined us today on the show. Um, We can't do this without you and we do this for you. And I would like to remind you that I love to hear what is going on for you. What's up for you. If you're having a challenge, I'd love to hear about that. If there's someone you would love to see on the show, I'd love to hear about that. I will take, um, I take all feedback, I take all comments, and I, I offer an open ear and an open shoulder. So you can email me at askzofia, A-S-K-Z-O-F-I-A, at transformationspace.co. And until next week, go out and live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week, right here 